Let me be the very first to wish you all a very happy hump day. You have permission to hump. It's hump day. What's up, Herb? Heartbreaking. What's going on? Welcome to the program. We've got a very busy Wednesday for you and a good show. Let's get at it. Telephone number is toll free. Keep in mind, my first interview is coming up at 940, which means to you, you can get through right now. No waiting. 1-800-636-8686. You know, every once in a while, I'm of the mindset that I'd even buzzed open the format. Now, yes, I come strong every single day. Yes, I have a topic off the top that I want to set up. But I would even bust open the format for the right telephone call. one 636 8686 Hey, wait. Where's Tommy? Alvie, where's Tommy? I see Jack Savage. Wait, here he comes. Welcome to the party, pal. He's here. Welcome Jock. to the party, pal. Better late than never. You know what they always say, Chalk? We can't start without you. Although we did. one 800 crickets. one 800 Now everybody is here. If you want to hit me up on the X, go ahead and do so. At Jim Rome. Thanks, Alvy. If you want to hit me up on email, go ahead and do so. Rome, R-O-M-E, at haveatake.com. So the interviews look like this. Tom Verducci is going to join us at 940. The reason for that, although we've talked about it the last couple of days, Wisco fam, I know you're not dealing with this very well. I know you're shocked that Craig Council not only left you. I think the shock is not so much that he left, but that he left for the Cubs. But he did. It's a real thing. Tom Verducci joins me at 940, and we'll talk about why Council made that decision. Well, I mean, aside from the 40 mil, aside from those 40 million reasons, we'll talk about why he decided to leave, why he went there, why it was the Cubs and not the Mets, what the Mets are doing, what Milwaukee is doing, and more. Free agency also underway in Major League Baseball. So we will hit on that. Ben Golver joins me at 1040. We'll talk some basketball with him. Both of those via Zoom. Wednesday is an ATP day. Wednesday is a Jim Rohn podcast day. General Manager of the Mavericks, Nico Harrison, goes long form with us. That's EP288. So we have a lot to get done. Get on the phones. Get up in here. So I had to think about where I wanted to start. My feeling was we were going to start with something New York related. But would it be New York football? Would it be New York baseball? Would it be New York basketball? I was just feeling New York. And I decided let's talk about the JETS. Jets, Jets, Jets. Listen, I am not here to pile on the Coog Hunter. All right? I'm not. Zach Wilson just is not very good. That's not news. That's not controversial. That's not some sort of piping hot take. I don't even take any pleasure in pointing it out. I don't take any pleasure in pointing out that he's not good, just like I don't take any pleasure in watching him play football. Not good. It's not good. He's not good. I think the vast majority of you are with me on this. It's actually the one of the very few things that we can all agree on. Think about that for a minute. Name one thing that we can all agree on. Nothing. Nothing. Except maybe that. Well, all of us except my dude, Eddie C., the renegade master in NYC. What's up, baby boy? The rest of us don't agree on anything, but I think we all agree that Zach Wilson is not very good. 
Sorry, Eddie. Baby boy under center blows. Baby boy. Now, we all know Zach's not very good, which is why we're all wondering. We all agree on that. That's why we're all wondering why the Jets are so hell-bent on running this guy out there every single week. Like I pointed out yesterday, they could have just grabbed Josh Dobbs off the street, practically, for a sixth-round draft pick, and Joshua Dobbs could have performed better than the Coug Hunter without even knowing any of the plays or even meeting any of his teammates. All of that was true, and he still won. But for some reason, it's always Zach. It just has to be Zach. The biggest question facing the Jets right now is why Zach? Why not somebody else? Why not anybody else? Why not Trevor Simeon? He's there. Why do they have to die on Coog Hunter Hill? This is the only question that matters regarding the Jets. So that said, you would think that the head coach, Bob Sala, would have a pretty good answer locked and loaded. A pretty good answer lined up for the one important question, considering it is the biggest question hanging over the Jets' entire season right now. Considering it is the biggest thing holding an otherwise playoff caliber team back, right? So... Robert Receipts had a chance to nail that answer when he appeared on the Michael K. show in New York City yesterday because Bob had to know that question was coming, right? It's the only question. Here is how he actually answered the question of why not try another QB? I got you. No, it's, uh, again, a fair question. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, like I said, he, he... I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm going I'm to plead the fifth on all this one. Wait, what? All right, again, fair question. If by fair question, Bob, you mean the only question, then yes, it's a fair question. Dude, did you just plead the fifth? You got me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead the fifth on all this one. That's your answer to the most important question, the only question hanging over the Jets' entire season right now. You're taking the fifth. You're I'm pleading gonna, the, fifth. Plead the fifth. On all this one. The hell, Bob. Bob, you do know you're not under oath. You do know you have not been deposed. You do know that you're not facing some federal indictment. You do know that you have not been accused of any crime. Although running the Coug Hunter out there every single week actually could be considered criminal activity. If you can't defend the dude anymore, then why are you putting him out on the field still? And if the head coach can't even publicly defend the Coug Hunter anymore, would you imagine what the rest of the team must be saying behind closed doors? If Bob's public endorsement of Wilson is, I'm invoking my Fifth Amendment... I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one. Uh, on the only question that matters, imagine what that defense must be saying about that dude amongst themselves. That Sala answer almost makes me think that he actually does not have a choice. When that guy says, you know, fair question, I think I'll plead the fifth, it makes me think that it's not his decision. It's not his choice. It makes me think he probably doesn't even agree with it. If the guy really bought it, right? If the guy really made the call himself, he would tell you, hey, that's on me. That's on me. I made that decision. The buck stops here. I believe in the kid. That's on me. 
But if he's saying, hey, you know, fair question, I think I'll plead the fifth on that. It makes me think that maybe he's being told what to do. Maybe he doesn't want to die on Coog Hunter Hill. And if it is his call, if it is his call, then he should do a much better job of explaining why that's his call. Because, again, it's the only question that matters, and he's not answering it. He's pleading the fifth. I don't know. Is it his call, or is that coming from somebody above his, above his pay grade? Even if that's the case, you still need a much better answer than that. That is a terrible answer to the most important question facing the football team. And again, he had to know it was coming. And he's got to offer more than, yeah, I think I'll plead the fifth. I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one. (laughs) Meanwhile, so what about Aaron Rodgers? When is he coming back? When is Aaron coming back to save the season so Bob can stop pleading the fifth? Well, I'll tell you when he's not coming back, quote, in a few weeks, like he told Derwin James on the field. He obviously was just messing around. He knows him. They have the same representatives. The dude was not coming back in a few weeks. Like I said yesterday, I'm no doctor, but I don't need to be one or to even know one to know that you're not coming back in a few weeks after shredding your Achilles. Not even Aaron. Not even Aaron and his miraculous healing power and his ability to manifest. And I mean that as a compliment. That guy's not coming back in a few weeks. So when is he coming back? He told Pat McAfee in his weekly hit that, quote, in a few fortnights. All right, so if we want to decode that, a few fortnights is not a few weeks. A few fortnights, if I convert to fortnight math, I think it's like six weeks. Even then, that seems impossible, right? And, and for him to come back, even if it is in a few fortnights, he needs a reason to come back. He needs something to come back to. He needs the Jets to be in the hunt. And right now, the only thing Zach is hunting is turnovers and sacks and fumbles and holding on to the ball too long and making bad choices. Believe me, a few more, quote, fortnights of Zach under center and the Jets defense will be looking to hunt Zach. And he will have his license to hunt Coog revoked. You see, unlike Bob, I'm not going to plead the fifth. I'm not believing what I'm seeing and hearing about how this is some sort of change dude and player. To me, same as he ever was. And I admire the hell out of Aaron for doing whatever he can to rush back to save the Jets' season. But there'll be nothing left to save once Zach finishes lighting that entire facility on fire. So what do we really have to look forward to? Not Zach playing football. No, no. When it comes to the Jets now, aside from their defense, flying around, wreaking havoc, and it not mattering, what I look forward to now and the highlights are Aaron before the game. So you got the Raiders. Maybe the Jets training staff could line up a bunch of cones so Aaron can run a sub-4-3-40. Because he probably could. Or maybe they grab some of the practice squatters and have Aaron like hold a pre-draft combine or like an Aaron Pro Day at 39 where Aaron's throwing 70-yard bombs from his knees. Or maybe Aaron's running around and some throwing coach is trying to bat him with a broom. Or maybe Aaron is chucking a rock that hits the Allegiant Stadium ceiling. Or Aaron is scrambling with Hackett, chasing him with a rake 
And trash lid. The only chance the Jets have Sunday is if the Raiders are still sucking on their McDaniels stogies. And they don't come out of the locker room. I'm actually going to Vegas on Sunday. I was not, I mean, this weekend. I was not going to go to the game, but now that I think about it, why the hell not, right? Deal with all the F1 crowd. Maybe deal with Aaron throwing from his knees off the ceiling of Allegiant. DJ doesn't know yet. I'll let her know. Anyway, I just felt the need to start with some New York sports. And Bob saw it taking the fifth. Invoking the fifth. Not answering the only question that matters. Why don't you run somebody else out there? Yeah, no. I think I'll take the fifth. My man, the Constitution is there for a reason. Lots of reasons. But not for you, you, for you to use it to not answer who your quarterback is. Or why you keep running that guy out there. Jets fans, besides you, Eddie, where do you come out on this? I think it's the one thing that we can all agree on. Okay, now that said, there are other New York topics. Did you catch the Yankees brass yesterday? You catch Brian Cashman's act. Did you check Hal Steinbrenner yesterday? Are you hearing what they're saying? I do want to get into that. Hey, Michigan man, you're welcome. You're welcome. I did not start today's show with an update there, and I could have. Man, that story is getting more and more whack. More and more whack. That's whack. I'll probably get that before the end of the program. 1-800-636-8686. And one more topic. The Tennessee Titans may have their franchise quarterback, maybe. Why am I talking about the Titans? Good jungle team. I think there's some intrigue. I think that although they're in last and looking up at everybody else in the AFC South, they've got hope. Mike Vrabel came right out and said it. We've got our quarterback. We've got our guy. And without giving up who it is, I will get into that a little bit later on. In the meantime, you should call right now. If you're not into New York sports, if you're not into any of that and you have another topic, hit me up. We're going to talk some NBA. Start of the NBA season has been pretty interesting so far. Sixers do not miss Larden. We got to figure out whether or not Larden fits in with the Clippers. Celtics look good. Nuggets look good. And some other interesting things around the NBA. Ben Golver will be joining me at 1040. Let me check some reaction very quickly before I go to break. Romy. And let's not just get into that yet. Regards, Robert Receipts. It, like I said, it's the only question regarding that team. There's got to be a better answer than, nee, I think I'll invoke the Fifth Amendment. Uh, let's not get into I'm going to plead the Fifth on all this one. You are? My man, you're the head coach. Who is your quarterback? Why are you not making a change? Hey, Jim. Uh, let's not get into that. Yeah. Dear NFL or Roger or the scheduling panel or ABC or ESPN or freaking Amazon. Do something about flexing nationally televised games next year. Anyone, anyone. And next up, Panthers v. Bears to help try to cure insomnia. It's unwatchable and humiliating to everyone. Signed, the Jets and the Giants. Scott in Salt Lake. Planet Wilson 1 is in. Mr. Rome, I don't blame the Jets coach. For pleading the fifth. 
Hell, I plead the fifth every day. Thanks, Tony LaRussa. Plead the fifth or drink the fifth. I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one. <laughs> R-S-T-U-V. Pleading the fifth does not uh, make you spit the alphabet like that. T-U-V-X-Y-X-Z. Consuming a fifth is not the same as pleading the fifth. Let me repeat that. Consuming a fifth is not the same as pleading the fifth. R-S-T-U-V. Guarantee if they asked Sala to do the alphabet and told him you cannot plead the fifth, he would not have done that. R-S-T-U-V. Stucknut. Quote, was that Bob Sala audio or Chalk trying to explain why he was late on hump day? No, I got you. No, it's, uh, again, a fair question. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, like I said, he, he, I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead the fifth on all this one. <laughs> Damn, Garrett Cole. Really? No, Chalk, um, Chalk did not plead the fifth. Chalk probably was just getting in a pre-show hump. hey no, man, we, like I told you, we always work up until the very last minute to get ready for this thing. Hey, Rome, okay, why don't you come in a little earlier? We're coming in as early as we can. We still work up until the very last minute. I don't know. Hey, Romy, I'm going to plead the fifth. Regards, the Jardians Chicks Veggie Meter Results. Well, that's a curious case, isn't it? One guy gets loose with one comment during one beef segment, and I immediately shut it down. And yet you just keep coming back with it. Like a veggie meter? Like where they check how much um, veggies is in your, like your bloodstream? And one more. This says, did Harbaugh know about what Connor Stallions was up to? Of course he did. A fish rots from the head. Harbaugh is an unhinged, crazed maniac. We all know this. Back in 1997, he broke his hand punching out Jim Kelly because Kelly had criticized Harbaugh's play during an NBA broadcast earlier in the season. He put Kelly on the ground. He's one of those types who feels like rules don't apply to him. P.S., Someone jabbed Harbaugh with the veggie meter, and all they found was horse manure. Signed, Joel, in Naptown. You know, again, the funniest thing about that, going way, way, way back to the day, when I got my first TV show, I was critical of him as a quarterback with the Bears, and he called me up and said, hey, Rome, I saw what you said about me. I said, and? He's like, I I think it's not fair. You're out of line. And I said, well, why don't you come on the show? And he did. He did not put me in the ground. It was great. I enjoyed him. He enjoyed me. It was fine. Hell, the guy appeared in a smack-off. So very clearly, we had a moment where everything was good. He did not put me in the ground. He was not unhinged. Not back then. But again, Michigan man, you are welcome. To quote Matt Nelly, you're welcome. I did not lead with that topic. But we'll get there because the topic is unhinged. We can debate whether or not Harbaugh is unhinged. The topic is unhinged. It is getting crazy.
you're welcome. It's taking on a life of its own. You know, for hey, Michigan man, for you to say, why are you still on this? Why are you still on this? Nobody cares. One, <clears throat> people do care. And number two, the reason I'm still on it is because it gets crazier and crazier every single day. Like, Stallions may no longer work there, but he's still around. And the stories surrounding this guy are getting more and more crazy. So all of that said, I'm inviting you to get up in here. one 636 8686 Tom Verducci, 940. Ben Golver, 1040. My man Eddie in NYC wants to defend himself. Bro, you don't need to defend yourself. Just your unbridled love of baby boy Zach Wilson. There's your real baby boy right there. What's up, baby boy? Not his QBR. Hell. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thanks, Alvy. Appreciate the support. O'Reilly Auto Parts is here to keep your car on the road with the right parts, advice from their professional parts people, and their free loaner tool program. There is no need to purchase the tool if you're only going to use it once. Your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store has more than 80 specialty tools available for use during your next repair. Refundable deposit is required. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Ask about their free loaner tool program or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly Auto Parts, your professional parts people. You're welcome. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. All right, a couple of bits of reaction before I go to the phones. Stucknut. Stucknut writes, we really don't need to hear from East Coast Matt in L.A. Hashtag baby boy. What's up, baby boy? We really don't need to hear from East Coast Matt in L.A. Hashtag baby boy. Actually, if he calls, we do. You're welcome. Then he got at Ray Jaworski, 1291. Quote, Unreal. You're at it again. All right, first of all, Ray, your is spelled with an apostrophe. Apostrophe R-E. Clearly, you didn't go to Michigan. You're a Michigan fan, but you didn't go to Michigan if you can't spell your. And I'm not at anything again, Ray. I read an email. I didn't originate a take. I didn't start a rant. I didn't go in. I read an email from somebody else. At what again? Doing my show? Getting input from the listeners? Quote, unreal, you're at it again. Hey, Ray, what happened to that threat? First of all, Ray, you've already gotten way more airtime today than you ever deserved. And it's been 30 seconds. Ray, what about that threat that you made to me the other day about how I'm going to lose millions of Michigan men if I stay at this? When you tune in first thing every single day, every single day to hear what I'm going to say. If anything, Ray, I think you're recruiting Michigan fans to listen to me. At what again, Ray? Doing my job? No, Ray, you're at it again. Misspelling words that first graders can spell. Come on, man. Do better. Heads from Bacon writes, You may find yourself on a New York team in a New Jersey stadium. You may find yourself 
on an artificial turf with a shredded Achilles. Same as he ever was. Weird as he ever was. Same as he ever was. As the days go by, Aaron fills us up with lies. What lies, dude? I mean, maybe he won't make it back in a few fortnights. I'll give you that. One eight hundred. Love the Talking Heads. Great band. David Byrne, genius. You may ask yourself. You may ask yourself, Jaworski. Why can't you spell the word "your"? You may ask yourself. What am I doing? How do you spell the word "your"? Is there an apostrophe? This is not my word. This is not my English language. Man, stop. What do you mean I'm at it again? At what again? Earning my paycheck? Doing my show? Let's go to the phones. Let's go to New York City. Eddie C. in NYC. Eddie, what's going on? Jimmy. What's up, baby boy? You know, you're my real baby boy. You're my fam. Let me get to a couple things here first. Whoever that cat is who called in trying to talk trash about me, hold on, they're trying to come and get me now. Whoever tried to, the kid who called in tried to get me uh, talking trash about and me in New York City, like A-Rod said, I don't even know you, bro. What's his name, Ernie? And I'm glad you took his golden ticket. You should give it to me, actually. And uh, I... uh. I gotta tell you, Salah is not benching Zach yet because the team is terrible around him. I see the kid making plays. I know you don't like him for some reason. He gets a lot of hate. He really does. I've never seen a quarterback get so much hate so fast on one bad throw. All these QBs make bad throws. All these QBs do dumb things a lot of times. The team around him is playing terrible. The offensive line is like that guy who got the golden ticket and lost it. That's like his crew. If he ever came to New York and tried to talk about how New York has fallen so down, if he tried to say that in the face of my crew, you'd see the offensive line of like the Eagles against the offensive line against the Jets right now. And uh, I just don't defend Zach. I just think he's talented. And uh, I love the jungle more than Zach, and I love you more than Zach. But I just think there's a lot of other things going on with that team. Guys getting hit in the face, dropping balls. Lazard can't catch a ball, getting paid all this money. Breeze fumbling the ball. And the big thing, the offensive line cannot give that kid any time to look down the field. Everybody says, Zach, get rid of it. Throw the ball away. He's got dudes and their, their cups in his face in a second. I got to tell you, Jimmy, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but I do believe the boy got talent. But I'm really glad you took that kid's golden ticket. You took his ticket like the bootleggers jacked my sounds. The renegade master is out. <laughs> my man, Eddie C. <laughs> That's great. This dude cracks me up. Nice job, Ed. My, my feeling is I'm sort of in the Troy Aikman camp, baby boy. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And I acknowledged it yesterday. Yes, the offensive line in front of him is garbage. Yes, he's got Nate can't hack it, call him plays. But I just don't see it. This is not a case of I've never seen a guy get so much hate for one bad throw or one bad game. It's not one bad throw. It's not one bad game. Which game, my guy? Which throw, my dude? Which game? Which month? 
He's not getting better. He was the second player taken overall. We don't need this guy to be Tom Brady. We don't need this guy even to be Mark Sanchez. We just need this guy to be serviceable in year three after studying under Aaron Rodgers and apparently being a changed dude. We just need this guy not to put the ball on the ground, not to hold on to the ball too long, not to take all these unnecessary sacks, to complete basic easy plays that any quarterback in the NFL can complete. Stop killing the team. You have an unbelievable defense. You have skill. I don't see it, my guy. I do not see it. But, but, if you're going to die on Coog Hunter Hill, that's the way to do it, man. Charge up that hill, you against the world. Taking fire. That's the way you do it, Ed. Eddie C. In the NYC. I respect it, baby boy. I do. If you're going to die on Coog Hunter Hill, that's what you do. You charge up that hill against the entire world. And you try and take a few with you. But no, they will plant you in the ground. All right, when we come back, he cracks me up, Eddie, in a good way. Eddie C is good for the program. And he is really happy I, quote, took that kid's goal and take it away. I like it when Eddie said, I'm glad you took that kid's goal and take it away. Now give it to me. Hey, Eddie, how about I just give you the smack off title right now? Why don't we crown the Coog Hunter the MVP? And why don't I give you the smack off title right now? I'm glad you took that guy's golden ticket. Now give it to me. Got Tom Verducci coming up in a few moments. But first, here's the sports update. Here's Andrew Bogish. CBS Sports Radio. Sports Flash. And Jim. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. That's true. Welcome back, or good morning. I'm Jim Rome. It's great to have you. Let's talk some baseball. As promised, we're joined right now by a senior baseball writer for Sports Illustrated, also a Fox Sports MLB analyst and reporter, an MLB network insider, a five-time Emmy Award winner, a member of the National Sports Media Association Hall of Fame, also a best-selling author whose books include The Cubs' Way. Our guest is Tom Verducci. He joins us via Zoom. Tom, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Jim? Good, good. Tom, appreciate you. Listen, I can't remember the last time the managerial carousel was as intriguing as it is right now. We've had a few days for it to settle in, but in your opinion, how shocking was it to see Craig Council not only leave Milwaukee, but leave for the rival Cubs? Well, I know the Brewers were shocked. Listen, he kept his options open. He did not take an extension when that was offered to have this free agency available to him. His two goals Jim, were really to push the market in terms of salaries for managers and to stay in the Midwest. Grew up in Wisconsin. His kids played college baseball in the Midwest. His two daughters are in high school in Wisconsin. He wanted the Midwest. He wanted money. The Cubs were the one team that satisfied that. The Brewers just were not going to pay him the kind of money that the Cubs did. And I get it. Listen, I like David Ross. I think he did a great job with the Cubs. But this is very similar to when Joe Madden came along in the free agent market for the Cubs when they had Rick Renteria. You had a chance to upgrade. It's as simple as that. There's no knock on David Ross, but Craig Council, to me, is right there with Bruce Bochy and Kevin Cash as one of the two or three best managers in the game. 
So if you have an opportunity to get this guy, you see if, you, he, if he's got interest. Obviously, he did. This has really been Craig's dream job. As a guy who played baseball at Notre Dame, as I said, from the Midwest, this is the number one job for Craig Council. Now he's got it at an all-time record, $8 million a year. Now, there's a caveat with that, Jen. I mean, Joe Torre had the record years ago, like 20 years ago, at $7.5 million. Of course, he won four titles for the Yankees when he earned that. But in today's dollars, that's $13 million. So the manager market has been stagnant for years, basically because the stars of the game now are executives, not managers. And they're, they've been getting the big money. So maybe this kind of kickstarts a, a new revolution, if you will, for managers being appreciated and paid more. Tom Rudici joining us. Tom, there's so much interesting stuff in what you just said. But to that point that he is now the highest paid manager, not only in the game, but the highest paid manager of all time, what what's that say about the Cubs that they did that? Do they think that highly of him? Why would they make that kind of commitment to him? Yeah, first of all, they do think that highly of him. They, like me, think he's one of the best in the business. He's a difference maker. and You can't say that with most managers. You look at his all-time record in close games, one-run games. And I know a lot of people say, you know, that's fungible. It's a matter of luck. But when you do it year after year after year, he has the third highest record in one-run games of all time. Now you think about that's a guy who can make a difference over the course of the year. How many games? Who knows? If it's two to three, that's a lot when you consider that really depends on making the playoffs or not. So he's out there. If Think if you're a Cubs fan, Jim. You have to really be happy about the money they're paying Craig Council because you don't make this guy the highest paid manager in the game unless you're prepared to consolidate that with putting money into player payroll. And, yeah, that means being active on this free agent market this winter. This was not a case where, hey, we're going to pay our manager a lot of money, and then we're just going to give him the roster that we have now. Now, no, they're on the upswing here. I think he saw that. Well, Milwaukee is kind of rebuilding right now. We are talking to Tom Verducci. So, Tom, given the Mets resources, given the fact that Council worked with Mets' new president of baseball ops, David Stearns, for seven years in Milwaukee, did it seem as if the Mets had the inside track on Council? Yeah, it did seem that way, Jim, but I think a lot of us kind of overestimated that connection there. First of all, David Stearns in Milwaukee did not hire Craig Council. He inherited him. They did work together for seven seasons, had a lot of success. Um, but that connection really was something he inherited rather than some friendship that led to him hiring Craig Council. The other thing was just the Mets and the New York market. You know, the Mets is they've got resources. We all know that they're they were prepared to pay him, maybe not as much as the Cubs, but in the same ballpark. But again, it's the geography. Does Craig Council want to work in flushing at a time when, let's face it, the Mets are kind of a mess here. Uh, they need to pivot after going all in the last couple of years with really last year, at least bad results. Uh, so I think the, the future immediately is probably better in Chicago. Uh, but again, it's closer to home for Craig Council. So I think we overestimated the Stearns connection and what uh, the New York money might have been able to bought in terms of uh, overcoming geographic uh, tendencies for Craig Council. And Tom, you've written about this, but in terms of recent history, generally, what happens to managers that go to New York to manage the Mets ultimately? Uh, they don't last long and they don't get another job. The last seven managers, the Mets have not had another job offer. Now, Buck Showalter is in the mix for the Angels. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's because the Mets are just, you know, because of their resources, the expectations are so high. This is a team that finished 29 games behind the Atlanta Braves last year. So they're not that close to winning the division. Uh, but the expectations, because the resources are that the Mets should be winning every year. So that's a lot of pressure for anybody to walk in. I thought all along, Jim, that that job should go to somebody with experience, 
and who knows the New York market. It's unlike any other market. Now, David Stearns didn't go with experience. Carlos Mendoza hasn't managed above a ball, but at least Mendoza, being the Yankees bench coach the last few years, knows the New York landscape. He's not going to be surprised. I thought actually Don Mattingly might have been a really good fit there. He might be a fit in Milwaukee now. I think, first of all, that's an amazing stat that you just shared, Tom, that the last seven managers of the Mets have not gotten a job after that fact. I was going to ask you about Milwaukee. Where does that leave them? Who is on their short list to replace Council? Easy thing for them to do is give the job to Pat Murphy. He's been the bench coach for Craig Council the last few years, knows all the ability and the talent there. He did have a brief period as manager of the Padres. Uh, that being said, he's got a job offer with Craig Council to, to be his bench coach with the Cubs. Uh, and I'm not sure it's a slam dunk that you take the manager's job in Milwaukee over where the Cubs are at right now. Who knows? Because of the friendship with Craig Council. You know, I, I think it's crazy, but maybe David Ross factors in. If you're Mark Adonazio and you are the owner of the Brewers, the way to get out of this PR mess of losing the best manager the Brewers have ever had to the rival Cubs, no less, is not to just go within cheap manager, whatever that may be, but get a name brand manager in there, a David Ross, a Don Mattingly, somebody along those lines. Hey, Tom, or not let the guy go in the first place. Let me ask you this. I mean, to your point, they were not going to yeah. match that offer. However, if they had matched that offer, would he have stayed? Oh, without a doubt. I, I think he would have. Again, his priorities were push the envelope in terms of salaries for managers and Midwest. The Brewers would have really satisfied both those. But from what I was told, they were giving him a raise to five and a half million dollars, which would have made him the highest paid manager in the game today, um, which is not, that's nothing to sneeze at, but it's not in the market of where the Cubs are going to go. So basically, Craig Council was worth more to the Cubs than he was to the Brewers. And, you know, sometimes if you're a small market team, I get it. You don't have the same kind of resources. But when you've got an asset like Craig Council, who grew up in Wisconsin, his father worked for the team. You don't let that guy go. I'm not saying you pay him whatever he wants, but you certainly have to be more competitive, get in the same ballpark as your rival in the same division. I agree, Tom. I think it's not a matter of can they afford to pay him, can they afford not to pay him, and we're about to find out. So before you go, Tom Berducci is my guest. Free agency officially did get underway on Monday. Ultimately, who do you think is going to win the Shohei sweepstakes? I did my thought all along. It's the LA Dodgers for a lot of reasons. First of all, they tried to sign this guy out of high school. They, this has been their white whale for that long, right? That this is the one they've been chasing. Uh, he was in their mix when he was a free agent for the first time. But remember back then there was no DH and certainly the AL teams had the advantage. Um, now you think about the teams that he had on his list the first time around five West coast teams, Cubs and Rangers, I think those are the same seven teams that really are at the forefront here. But it's hard for me to imagine that someone is going to give Shohei Otani more than what the Dodgers can offer. What can they offer? Obviously money. I don't think they're going to get a bid. Uh, a great place to live and train. He's used to Southern California with the Angels. Um, the weather, that's actually a factor because this guy, when he's coming back to pitch, loves pitching on the sixth day. I don't want to deal with the cold weather in the east in the early in the season or late in the season, rainouts, what have you. I think he's developed a really comfortable lifestyle, training style in Southern California, Jim, and I think that's his preference here. He wants to win. Let's start with that, too. And the Dodgers, certainly, they're in the postseason year after year after year. They can show him that. You know, the Giants, the Mariners, teams like that, can't really convince him that every year you're going to compete for a World Series the way the Dodgers can sell it. And listen, the Dodgers, I think, when all said and done, I think the number is going to start with a five. 
I really do. For all the talk about, you know, Shohei with the uh, uh, surgery on the elbow, he's not going to pitch for a year, that deflates his value. I mean, this is like the LeBron James of baseball. You pay for the guy because of what he can do, but also the halo effect he has on the whole franchise. I have some people tell me, Jim, that he can bring in $20 million a year just in advertising revenue from people that and companies that want to be associated with him and have their ads on the outfield walls or on the broadcast. So I'm not saying he's going to pay for himself, but this is the unicorn, not just because he's a two-way player, but he's the greatest commercial asset in baseball. That's too good for the Dodgers to pass on. I agree with you, Tom. And Artie Marino, I'm sure, saw it the exact same way. That's why he held on to him as long as he possibly could. What a great, great conversation. A senior baseball writer for Sports Illustrated, also a Fox Sports MLB analyst and reporter and MLB network insider. He is Tom Verducci. Tom, couldn't appreciate you anymore. Thank you so much for that. Always enjoy it, Jim. My pleasure. You're the best. Tom Verducci. I mean that. He is the best. What an outstanding conversation that was. Love the energy, love the insight, love the information, and that's a good topic for you. All right, so Brewers fan, how do you feel about that now? Does that make you feel any better? I'm sure no, but I thought that was a great explanation. He wanted to raise the bar and set the market for managers, and the Cubs were his dream job. One thing to lose this guy, but another to lose him to the rival, the enemy. Let's talk about that when we come back.